Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome back after our holiday break. Um, Today, of course, is the beginning of the year. And as always, we've got the smell of fresh printed pages in the air with the release of the 2021 eFields guide. So we've got some educators here to share with us some trials in the book. And um, Elizabeth is maybe a little bit rested up after the crunch to get everything in. Again, pick up your copy at uh, local meetings this year, or you can always go to the website, go.osu.edu slash eFields. Uh, but we'll go ahead and get started here. So um, have you guys introduce yourselves quickly, what counties you're from, and then we'll dive into a little bit more um, what your trials are. Taylor? Yeah. I'm Taylor Dill. I am the Dark County uh, Ag and Natural Resources Educator. I'm Chris Zoller, Extension Educator, Ag Natural Resources in Tuscarawas County. I'm Jason Hartshu, the Ag Natural Resources Extension Educator in Crawford County. And I'm Elizabeth Hawkins, one of the co-hosts of the podcast, but also one of the co-leaders of the eFields program. Yeah, so we've been able to do this a few years now, of course, with you being a co-host, we like to highlight it especially. Um, I think Jason and Chris, you've been on before to share some of your information, um, but Let's start with Taylor. Um, We want to pick your brain about what it was like in your first year working with eFields. It was actually really fun. I enjoy on-farm research a lot and it helps you build your rapport with your farmers. And since I'm new and I had actually just moved home, it helped me get involved very quickly with people that have worked with eFields in the past and a few new people. So I really enjoyed the experience. Awesome, so what trials did you have this year? I had four boots on the ground or improved system versus standard system uh, studies for soybean production. I had a few manure side dress studies and a couple of seeding rate studies as well for soybeans. Cool. Well, we always see a lot of trials out of Dark County with Sam moving on. It's nice to see that you've picked up the reins and kind of hit the ground running. I I, I try to. (laughs) So what are some interesting things you found from some of those? So I found it interesting, especially in the boots on the ground study, that with, you know, you plant your soybeans early. The improved study is looking at early planted soybeans versus late soybeans with a fungicide insecticide application. And there was no significant difference between either treatment on any of our fields this year. And the early planted got snowed on. It got a three-inch rain right after the snow. And there was probably a a 20,000 plant difference in uh, um, population Mm -hmm. when I did stand counts. And there was still no yield difference across the board, or statistical yield difference. And I thought that was really surprising. Uh, In other states, that study has seen about a five-bushel difference between uh, the improved and the standard. So I was a little surprised to see that there really wasn't a difference. Yeah, of course we had an excellent growing season, but anecdotally, some of the fields in Champaign County that I saw, yeah, they weren't really affected by getting snowed on, which, I mean, talking about soybeans a couple decades ago, it's it's tremendous the difference that they're able to sustain these days, I guess. Yeah, and some of my earliest planted fields in Dark County where third week of March, 
And those were some of the best soybeans that I saw in our county. And I'm just very impressed. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chris, um, you have a couple of interesting studies. Of course, you're still continuing the seeding rates studies. So I think you talked with us, I don't know, it's probably been a couple of years ago probably now, so, maybe. Yes. Yeah. So what have you seen? And maybe talk a little bit about what you've seen over the years. Uh, just to start off this year, we did a soybean seeding rate, a corn seeding rate. We did a double crop soy, had not done that following wheat. And then we did a um, study comparing 15 inch rows and 30 inch rows of corn. Uh, we'd done that a few years ago on another dairy farm. This also happens to be a dairy farm. So they had picked up uh, the E-Fields Bulletin and, and had read about it and were interested in it, so they contacted me to, to do that one. So um, all of them have been very interesting. The farmers I've worked with have been very appreciative of it. Uh, they've all said they've learned something new from it and, and made changes as a result of their participation. And and they're sharing it more and more with their neighbors, friends, you know, other farmers. So it's it's getting a lot of traction even from those who aren't direct participants. They're still benefiting from the information that they pick up from that. Um, is there a average seeding rate that you see that comes out as the most economical or does it just depend on year to year? We see some variation from year to year but uh, our corn we don't see a lot of variation um, there it's 32,000 or so. Uh, we've seen the biggest impact in the soybean seeding rates and uh, more farmers even those who aren't e-fields participants um, have actually cut back on that rate one of our cooperators, our intention this year was to go out in early March and do a, a very early seeding and looking at, at rate as well, but some, there were some equipment problems and such. So he's hoping to go out and uh, his goal is as soon as it's fit, doesn't care what the temperature is, he wants to seed it just to see what happens. So, but certainly have made some definite reductions in soybean seeding rates and in today's environment, if you can cut those input costs, every, every little bit helps. So. And you did one with double crop as well this year? Right. Uh, we've not done that before. Myself and another colleague, we did the had uh, following wheat, looked at three different rates, uh, seeding rates on that. In my study, there was uh, about a two bushel difference between each of those seeding rates. So nothing statistically significant. Interesting though. Okay. So Jason, um, you had a new study on corn fungicide, right? This was the first time you've worked on that? Yeah, so this year we had a new set of studies looking at fungicide application, both method and the utilization of fungicide on corn. Uh, ended up with four different sites following a similar protocol uh, across those sites. So on three of the sites, we looked at two different types of application, all with ground rig, uh, either going over the top of the corn plant or utilizing drops, to try to get that fungicide down into the corn plant better. Um, this study had really two purposes. The first one was to look at yield. Yield's always critical. Uh, across those three trials, two of the sites saw a significant yield increase to that fungicide application of seven to eight bushels. Uh, the third site did not see any advantage to that fungicide application. And we really didn't see an advantage to application method for grain yield. Uh, we have a little bit more work that we're working on analyzing that isn't quite going to make it into e-fields of vomitoxin levels because that was part of the study was to look at those don levels vomitoxin levels in the corn our natural infection was very low uh, we have those numbers and it was we didn't have an infection naturally but we also went out and hand inoculated ears but those still have to be hand shelled and hand tested there's a lot of labor that goes into those so i guess 
be looking forward to maybe hearing more about that later on, um, hopefully by planting time this year. The other site was not a grain harvest. We actually took that one to corn silage. Uh, and that one we do have Don results on. And we actually dropped the Don level in the corn silage from about three parts per million where we didn't have a fungicide application down to a half a part per million. Oh, wow. uh, and that was significant, not just in Don reduction um, for going into dairy cattle, you know, that mm -hmm. half is about what we're looking for, nothing over that. Not only did we drop Don, we picked up three tons of corn silage. If you figure corn wow. silage at $50 to the, to the ton, that's a $150 advantage to putting that fungicide. I mean, we have to subtract the cost of the fungicide, but $150 to that fungicide application. Uh, the plant was greener at harvest. We were 6% wetter in where we had the fungicide versus where we didn't. So what had the fungicide was, I think, about 68% moisture when we harvested, and the untreated was about 62. Uh, you could really tell the difference in grain dryness and the forage in the wagons as we were harvesting that. So that was a pretty exciting trial to see those results and see some of that Don reduction with the fungicide application. Very cool. And um, you've continued some of your forage work as well. Yeah, so we continued the forage work. Uh, we have the winter annuals are back again, uh, two sites, and we saw similar results this year to what we've seen previously uh, in that as the crop matures, we see a quality decline, but we pick up tonnage. Um, so we're really getting good results there and also seeing that there's differences in how those species mature. So rye matures the most rapidly, loses quality the quickest. If you're going to be slow, you may want to look at wheat or triticale uh, to spread out that risk on harvest because as they mature, their quality decline, doesn't decline as fast. Um, we don't have the summer annual species trial this year. It got met by a hailstorm that rolled through Fremont. Um, our forage trial was the least of their concerns. We do a lot of work on the veggie station up there and it was pretty hard on the veggies. Um, but we lost that summer annual forage trial to a hailstorm. But we did still have an oats trial. So we've done some oats work in the past. Uh, we have an oats trial this year that looks at three planting dates from early August to early September uh, and three different nitrogen rates comparing those. It's nice this year, this is the first time we've actually got all three planting dates laid out into one trial uh, to be able to compare those planting dates and what planting date and nitrogen interaction is for yield. Yeah, I mean, I think that information, if you're interested in looking at forage options, what the work that you do, I think adds a lot to that. So appreciate you diving into some of that and encourage people who might need some more forages on the farm to look at those. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it's a great way to make a profit off of a cover crop. If you have ruminant livestock that can consume those forages, it's a crop you can grow along with your agronomic crop, fit it into your rotation and grow two crops for profitability in a year. Okay, so Elizabeth, how has eFields kind of evolved over the years? So how long, 2017, is that the first year? 2017, so this year we're celebrating our fifth year. Wow. Which five years ago, <laughs> I don't know that I believed we would have made it this far. <laughs> but I also don't believe the growth we've seen over those five years. You know, this year we have around 150 trials in the report. Back in 2017, we started with, I think, 39 or 40. Um, so just astronomical yeah. growth. Um, we officially reached a milestone that I've been looking forward to for a while this year where we hit 46 counties. So we have, we're now reaching over half the counties in Ohio, which I think is incredibly exciting. Yeah, that 
I think it really is a unique way to present research. Um, you've gotten some attention across the nation with this, even people wondering how you manage to do it all. And can for those who might not be familiar, can you just give a rundown of how this all comes together? How you're able to share these results like a couple months after they're harvested? Yeah, it's a full year process now. Um, in fact, you know, as a listener, if any of this information is piquing your interest, this is the time that we want to start planning trials for this season. You know, we start now by April. We try to have all of our trials planned as we head into planting. Obviously, things change as the season goes on. Um, but as we move through planting, we will continuously collect data throughout the season to make sure that we're as close as we are to having everything in once combines hit the field in the fall. And that really is what helps us stay efficient on the back end. From the time we take in data December 1st, um, we usually have a print deadline right before Christmas. So we've got about three short weeks to get everything turned around into the book format. But we've got a great team behind us that helps get that done every year. Yeah, you have some really good students and grad students, a couple of staff members. I mean, you and Dr. John Fulton and a couple other people. Anyone you specific you want to give a shout out to? I think mostly the farmers. None of this would be possible without these partner farmers that let us onto their farms, that share the information, that share their passion for learning new things, and then share their data. I've got guys that take it incredibly seriously as soon as that combine rolls through the field. They're ready to email those files to us so that we can get things turned around. And I've learned so much over these five years just from working with these guys. Yeah, which is a great point because not only are you spearheading this, but you're also doing a lot of research yourself. So what are some trials that you had in there this year? Yeah, I did a few trials. Um, one, looking at smart firmers and trying to use the organic matter estimates off of that sensor to make a variable rate prescription on the go. That's pretty cool. We're seeing in the second year of that trial a lot of promise for that technology. I like it because it takes the headache out and the guesswork out of trying to figure out what the best prescription is when real live data from the field can make it for you. Another one was looking at an in-furrow fertilizer product, which is the DASH system from uh, 360 Yield Center. And that gives you the ability to cut fertilizer rates. And we saw yield parity in several of our trials where with even a third or half of the starter fertilizer, we achieve the same yields. Yeah, that's awesome. Like I said, how you get it all done, I'm not really sure, but we certainly appreciate it because if I'm being honest, I'm not always the best at meeting those deadlines myself. So <laughs> thank you for um, making this possible for us because even as county educators, um, it's nice to have some of these protocols to come in and it's a good way for new educators to get started in on-farm research and getting to know farmers as well. It's been a great experience and I think I could speak for my farmer cooperators as well. That they've really, they value it, they look forward to it. They come to me now with, hey, can we do this a little differently or do we have to follow it like it says or, you know. So I think it's really great that they're excited about it and, and they're telling their friends and others about it. Any thoughts on what you might do next year? You know, we just kind of got through it, but <laughs> things you found that you might want to investigate further? I know we've got some interest in some early planting uh, studies, uh, maybe looking evaluating some of the 15 and 30 inch row corn again. Elizabeth and I have a study in looking at soil moisture monitoring with 
tillage, no-till, and a cover crop on no-till. So I'm really excited to see some of that information to actually put numbers in with concerns farmers might have with adopting new management styles. How is it going to affect the planting window? So that's a two-year grant that we actually have to do that, and we'll get some of our first data off this spring. Yeah, we have a winter annuals forage trial that we're actually going to look at nitrogen rates and sulfur rates on those winter annual forages. It's a question that often comes in while we did a lot on species, how much nitrogen does that really need? And that's going to be a big question here as we start booking product for the 2022 growing season. It'd be great if we had a year of that trial under our belt, but that'll be an exciting trial to look for a year from now. Um, well, we do have some live opportunities this year um, in person and okay, in person and also webinars. So, you know, a lot of those big podcasters, you have to get tickets to come see them live and things like that. <laughs> so, ours are um, available across the state, and I'll let Elizabeth mentioned some of those dates and Taylor you're hosting one of those too right yeah okay yeah so our first big event coming up this month is Precision U we've got two webinars planned one January 5th and one January 12th uh, focusing on precision ag the first date is supply chain issues which I know we're all dealing with and the January 12th event is looking at sulfur and how that impacts your yield we'll switch in February to focus on e-fields where again, we'll have two webinars, February 1st and February 8th, that'll focus on eFields results from across the state. And then the second two weeks of February, we're gonna have some in-person, very exciting, <laughs> some in-person regional meetings. And Taylor's hosting one of those in Dart County on February 17th. And we've got two other dates that are currently planned. Northwest Ohio in Henry County is gonna be February 15th and one in Montgomery County on February 22nd but we're still planning some of those. There may be more in the works, so keep an eye on our social media. Yeah, we're still trying to get back in the swing of having these in-person meetings. <laughs> I've forgotten how to plan them. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess to close out, reach out to your county educator if you're interested in doing a trial. Um, in the front of the eFields, there are some links to locate who might be able to help you with some of those. Again, pick up a copy in person at one of these meetings or go online at go.osu.edu slash efields. Any last comments, Elizabeth? No, thanks for listening, and I hope you take some time to check out the report. And as always, you can reach out to any of us if something piques your interest and you have more questions. Yep, and thanks to you all for sharing what you learned this year. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for having us, Amanda. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode. Hey, podcast listeners, just a reminder to give us a like or subscribe so you know when we release new episodes. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to leave us a review also. We appreciate the comments.